up, world? It's your Passwords point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, I want to talk about who's on the Blazers road trip and who isn't, the team most likely to get the eighth seed in the West, and who to point the finger at for the Blazers' disappointing season. But let's start with the news of the day. Two injured Blazers got on the plane and flew to Indianapolis where the Blazers start the first of a three-game road trip against the Pacers on Thursday evening before stops in Atlanta and Orlando. Neither of those two gentlemen were Damian Lillard. Lillard stayed in Portland for the beginning of this trip. It's not a big surprise that he would miss the Pacers game, but it is somewhat a surprise that, at least for me, that he didn't travel to the game. In fact, last night, a reporter asked Terry Stotts if if uh, they had made a decision whether Lillard was going to travel, and he said, we're still deciding that right now. This was right after the game, t- you know, 20 minutes after the game ended. I just assumed that Terry Stotts was lying. Um, he d- sometimes just doesn't disclose that information because he doesn't have to, says that the team is still de- making a decision because um, that's how he and the team roll. But... Um, Apparently, they were still making the decision, but, however, last night, yesterday evening, Jason Quick of The Athletic reported that, uh, according to at least one league source, that Damian Lord was going to go on the trip, indeed, and that he was gonna, he was still going to be out a couple more games, but that the team expected him to be on, on the plane, or at least this particular source expected Dame to be on the team plane. I did, too. Uh, you'll recall in the last uh, episode that I, if you, if you listen to these... I'm sure, I'm sure every single person listens to all of them. I don't know why I would suggest otherwise. But uh, I said in the previous episode, most recent one, that I thought Dame would go no matter what. Uh, I, yesterday, I thought he would go no matter what. I, um, I, I think it's, it's not a big deal. It doesn't suggest that he's sort of more hurt or anything. Um, it just means that he, the rehab stuff that they're doing with him, they think it makes more sense to just do it there. And there wasn't any chance he was going to play in Indianapolis anyways. I thought he would go just for leadership purposes, though, just for by virtue of being Damian Lillard, the team's vocal leader, the team's obviously on-court leader when he plays, things like that. Um, I thought he would. I thought he would be. I thought he would be with the team just because he would want to be with the team, and that some of the rehab stuff he could do, they'll, they could just bring someone else on the plane with him. All those things. Clearly, the team thought otherwise. So he's definitely out for the Pacers game. Probably means he's out for the whole road trip, if I had to guess, just judging by what um, not getting on the plane initially means. Although he certainly could show up and play against the Hawks or the uh, Magic. I do think that, I do think if we're reading into anything, which is what we are want to do in this sort of line of work, is that if he wasn't on the, the, if he's not on the road for game one, I can't imagine that he shows up and plays, which means he's likely to miss at least six games and his most likely return date would be next Wednesday, a week from today, as I'm recording this, depending on when you're listening to it, next Wednesday against the Washington Wizards at home. We'll talk in a future episode more specifically about sort of how the Blazers are performing without Damian Lillard, but they're one and two so far and they very obviously miss him. We don't need to, we'll dive into that deeper in a future episode, look for it later this week. The other news, though, is who was on the plane. Damian Lillard wasn't, but Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins were. Zach Collins told uh, Blazers team reporter 
Casey Holdall that he was going do, doing some weight work and that he would do some on-court work later this week. Um, I think that's kind of par for the course for Zach. I don't think that's big breaking news. I do think um, last time I talked to Zach probably about three weeks ago, he hadn't really progressed. Maybe a month ago, he hadn't really progressed to doing weight stuff. So I do think the weight stuff is a step in the right direction. Uh, target date for him, he said this week that the middle of March and more likely the end of March is very realistic. He talks with the team trainers every day. Uh, I've joked about this a bunch, but there's no like reevaluation date. The guys get reevaluated every day, multiple times every day. They're talking to um, the team doctors and, and medical staff about their bodies. Uh, he says it's very realistic. He could return at the end of March. Uh, I think the Blazers will make that decision probably towards the end of March, a real decision whether they'll let Zach return or not. Um, I don't know if they'll bring him back no matter what. I think he's, if if you're going to hold someone out, it's him. He's He obviously wants to play, but he's young and you want him to be healthy next year. The other guy who, who traveled was Yusuf Nurkic. Now, you want this to be a big deal because it's Nurk Watch. I'm not sure it's a big deal. Terry Stotts said that uh, Yusuf Nurkic would, if he didn't, technically return to practice during this trip that he would certainly um do do stuff in the gym while the blazers were there that's terry sots's way of just being a contrarian and never telling uh the press corps what exactly the team is doing that's just like i said earlier that's how terry rolls um he is cryptic or secretive or intentionally misleading depending on how you want to you want to point to it but he's um he's sort of not the guy that you're going to get that information from uh just in general as a comment that i think no one cares about but me i, I think the blazers are being um uh, unnecessarily coy with with yusuf nurkic's return it's not like this team is sort of like a teetering on title contention if Yusuf Nurkic comes back they're going to jump into the upper echelon uh if Yusuf Nurkic comes back this season he's going to play you know 12 minutes a night to begin with and make them better certainly better he's a lot of better basketball player than Caleb Swanigan but this doesn't move their needle dramatically like I don't think Yusuf Nurkic playing a handful of minutes a night off the bench is even necessarily different in a game like the Celtics they would be they would certainly be in improve a lot, but um, he's a year removed from basketball. He's just not going to be what he was right away. Um, the Blazers haven't really practiced since uh, Yusuf Nurkic suffered that setback in at the end of January. Um, and by haven't really practiced, I mean, they haven't had like a formal practice that they invite media to. They've maybe had two in the last month. They've had a lot of what they call H&P days, health and performance days. Those days, guys go to the gym and do stuff. Uh, I think m some of those days might be to intentionally keep whatever use of Nurkic is doing under wraps. They are being, um, like I said, unnecessarily secretive or intentionally secretive, whatever it is with, with Nurkic. So we just don't know. But he is he's on the trip. He's been on some other trips. This isn't the first trip he's gone on. I don't think it's a super big deal. But I do think it's a big deal that him and Zach are there doing their rehab thing and, and Damian Lillard, who's presumably the closest to returning to action, is not. In the second segment, I want to talk about who is going to get the eighth seed in the West. I think I already know. With less than 25 games left for every team in the league, I think we know who the eight Western Conference playoff teams are going to be. I'll talk about that in the second segment. All right, so in the first segment, we talked who was on the plane. Damian Lillard did not travel with the team. 
on their three-game road trip. He could certainly join them later, but he's not on the first leg. Now it's time to talk about the playoffs. Even with fewer than 25 games remaining for every team in the season, about 30% of the season left, I think we already know who the eight teams in the West playoffs are going to be. I have said on this podcast a million times that I don't make predictions, but I, I feel strongly enough to maybe make a, something that looks like a prediction. It certainly sounds like one. I think the Lakers are going to finish first in the West, and I think the eighth seed is going to go to the New Orleans Pelicans. A podcast I recorded last week, it's titled Path to the Playoffs, talked about how the Blazers would get to the eighth seed. Uh, it's their stated goal privately and publicly that they want to be a playoff team. Now, I don't think ownership has done them any favors and made it easier for them to get to the playoffs, but that's a story for another day. They want to be a playoff team. Damian Lord thinks that, still believes this is a playoff team, but we're a week out from the All-Star break, a week since the All-Star break, and I think it's clear that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to finish eighth in the West. Now look, the Grizzlies are still sitting in eighth, but they've lost four straight coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, real stumbles for Memphis, who started the break at Sacramento, at the Lakers, at the Clippers, at Houston, and dropped all four of them. And in addition to dropping all four, they lost Jaron Jackson for at least a couple weeks. They've lost his backup and bench ace Brandon Clark is also out a couple weeks with a quadriceps injury. The Grizzlies are in trouble. They've got a, they've still got a little lead, two and a half games over the Portland Trailblazers, the next closest team. The Pelicans, of course, lost in Los Angeles on Tuesday evening, but prior to that, they'd come out of the break and played pretty well. Wins at Portland and at Golden State, and they have a relatively easy schedule to close out the season. And they have Zion Williamson, who looks like one of the 20 best players in the NBA. Now, I, I said on that previous podcast that I thought New Orleans had the easiest path, and I don't think that's really changed. Uh, what's changed is, though, that there's a little more bunching in the West. The Kings have won three in a row. The Spurs just won't go away despite losing two in a row. The Suns, before they lost tonight against the Rockets, were right there, too. Uh, the Grizzlies, like I said, are up two and a half games on the Blazers, but there are just two games separating nine and 13. The Blazers clinging to ninth right now, but they're tied in the loss column with the Pelicans, with the Kings, with the Spurs. They got a little bit edge on the Suns. I'll say it right now. I'm not really a believer in the Suns' chances. I'm not really a believer in the Kings' chances. I think the Spurs are the worst of the other three teams, excuse me, four teams in the running. But I think New Orleans is clearly the best team left in the race. You know, they struggled a lot this season when they couldn't stay healthy. They couldn't get Derek Favors on the court. They couldn't get Drew Holiday on the court. They uh, couldn't get enough defense to really slow guys down. But I think, obviously, just having Zion, having one of the 20 or 25 best players in the league on the court, really, really helps. Uh, they're still not a great defensive team, but they have so many offensive weapons. They play so fast, and they've got a lot of different looks now with this group that that I 
feel pretty comfortable saying the Pelicans are the team to beat for the eighth seed in the West. In fact, I'll go even further and say they're going to get it. Now, shouldn't I be doing this on Locked on Pelicans? Yeah, maybe that's a better spot for this segment. But I say this because the Blazers haven't really lost any ground. In fact, they were, they've were they gained ground on the Grizzlies since the All-Star break ended. And they're 1-2 and two during that stretch. So things, while they haven't gone well for Portland, they haven't exactly gone wrong. The Grizzlies are slipping. They look like a team showing their age, but also just dealing with the same injury issues or similar injury issues that the Blazers are dealing with. The Memphis still plays a tough schedule. I believe they're now, it's the second hardest remaining schedule in the league, according to the indispensabletankathon.com. Things are going to get hard for them, and they're missing. Jaron Jackson Jr. and uh, Brandon Clark are incredibly important to what they do. It just means that you get a lot of Josh Jackson, you get a lot of Kyle Anderson, you get a lot more of Gorgie Jang. It's, um, those players are worse. You get a lot of worse options. On the Blazers' side, I don't need to belabor it too much. Without Damian Lillard, they're a lot worse. I think CJ McCollum has played admirably well without him, putting up some gaudy numbers as they've gone one and two. I think they've pretty much gotten reasonable production from the other guys. I told I said in the first segment I would I'd save this for another time and I, I certainly will. We'll go deeper into it. But I'm the only one you could point to and say that they could use more from is maybe is maybe Gary Trent Jr. stepping into the starting lineup. He he could um they could get get him back on the tear he was on, but some of the tear he was on is because he could play next to Damon CJ and be a third option. But I just I can't see the Blazers with a slightly more difficult schedule keeping pace with a team that they're essentially tied within the standings that owns the tiebreaker over them. Portland's up a half game on the Pelicans, but tied in the loss column. Let's call it even right now. The Blazers are going into a road trip when where 1-2 and two seems very likely, 0-3 oh possible. Better than that, if Damian Lode is not around, seems very unlikely. Memphis seems headed the other way. I'm not a believer in the Sacramento Kings. Sorry, sorry, Kings. I uh, you know you've won three in a row to move to 24 and, 20, and 33, but not a believer. Not a particularly believer in the Suns. Spurs won't die, but I'm not a believer in them anyways. I think it's a three-team race. I think the Pelicans are going to do it. I think they're the best team left, and it's a talent league. The Blazers, due to their injuries, just don't have the talent to compete. They don't have the talent available to them right now to get out on the court and help them make this push. Now, the cavalry might be coming, but it's not going to come in the short term. And if they get far enough behind, then it puts them in scramble mode and they might need to win something like 13 of 16 when Dame's healthy to close the season. That seems like a lot to ask for a team that hasn't been that consistently good all year. 
Now, the reason that I have been scared typically to make predictions is because I'll just get stuff wrong and I put these type of bold things on wax and you, dear listeners, can rub them in my face. In fact, often in these Mailbag Monday episodes, I state my opinion on things and y'all tweet at me and tell me I'm wrong. I actually love it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's why I shy away from doing these type of things. Typically. But I think just four games into the break, I talked about this in that same Path to the Playoffs episode, is that I thought this week would really give us, would let us know if, if the Pelicans stumbled out of the break or if Memphis stumbled out of the break or if the Blazers stumbled out of the break, any of those teams headed in the wrong direction, we would know. It seems like New Orleans lost the hardest game of their three to start 2-1. and one. They're looking at home games against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Minnesota Timberwolves coming up this week. They're in a great position. The Blazers are not out of it. I may think they are, at this stage, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But they're not out of it. And I could be wrong. And that means that this prediction, this bold second segment here, you can remind me of when the Blazers are in the playoffs. That's my gift to you. A future I told you so. Courtesy of the good folks at Lockdown Blazers. All right, in the third segment, Close out the show talking about who's to blame for the Blazers' disappointing season. Where can we point a finger? We'll discuss that third and final segment of the show. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond, still pass first point guard. We talked Blazers' road trip, who's there, who's not. We talked who's making the playoffs. I gave you my bold prediction. Now it's time to close the show talking about blame. And I think the Blazers are in a weird place. The season didn't go where they wanted, but I'm not sure anyone on the team can be blamed. I guess I was supposed to point the finger at someone during this segment, but I have trouble doing it. The caveat is obvious. Two and a half games into the season, they lost Zach Collins. In December, they lost Rodney Hood. They never had Yusuf Nurkic, but I think they dreamed maybe that he would come back sooner than the timeline is suggesting. They thought Pau Gasol was going to be part of the plan. They didn't probably foresee Damian Lillard missing crucial games at after the All-Star break, when typically the team turns it on and makes their push over the last few seasons. Certainly, the roster had its flaws. Um, relying so heavily on Zach Collins to be your only real pow- good power forward, good forward on the team, was a mistake. Building a team that had to include Anthony Tolliver and Mario Hazonia in the rotation was probably a mistake. But... We never really got to see what a shortened, ideal version of the rotation would look like. I'm not sure with perfect health Carmelo Anthony is here, so there is some small silver linings, but I do think with perfect health the Trevor Ariza trade still could have gone down in a, in a relatively similar fashion. So, while I think Neil Olshay deserves some of the blame for maybe building a roster that wasn't quite as good as maybe he was touting in the summertime, just just wasn't as good as he was touting in the summertime. I don't think he can totally be blamed. I think he can be absolved a little bit because we just never got to see it 
all the way through. We never got to see the vision. We didn't even get a week of the vision. I don't think this has been Terry Stotts' best coaching year. I think he's gotten more out of rosters of out of limited rosters in the past than this limited roster. But when you look down the bench and you're making a choice between Wenyan Gabriel, Nazir Little, and Caleb Swanigan to play backup big man minutes, it's hard to say, man, coach, you blew it. I think Hassan Whiteside is limited and has some real flaws to his game. But he's been good. He's been fine. He's not part of the problem. He doesn't really deserve the blame. CJ McCollum maybe has been underwhelming this year in terms of like hoping that he would take this step forward and become a superstar, these last three games aside. But I don't think you can blame CJ for what's gone wrong. He has been his typically solid self. He just hasn't taken a leap forward. Sure, he's blown up the box score the last three games and looked pretty good, but he hasn't been this dominant force willing the Blazers to win. He's just been a really good player, which is what he is. He's just a very solid basketball player. Hard for me to point any fingers at Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony. They're 35 years old, and uh, some of their inconsistencies are just because this is year 17, 16 and 17 in the league. It's going to happen. This segment is born out of a conversation I had on Tuesday evening with Jason Quick. Basically, the team is in this weird spot where the, the, the results are disappointing. You know, you go into that Celtics game, you know they're going to lose. They lose in a very believable way. They can't stop the Celtics' best player. They get lit up from the three-point line. The offense is good but not great. The defense is porous. But you can't really go into the locker room afterwards and say, what the heck, what went wrong? They just got out-talented. They're in this strange place where I don't know if they're free from criticism, but it doesn't seem fair to criticize them. The They've entered this strange sort of blameless state. I think the phrase that Jason used was, you can't really hold anyone's feet to the fire. And you can't because while the season is an unquestioned disappointment, it's frustrating as a fan, it's frustrating as a media member because there's just, what do you do? What What can you write about this team? That hasn't already been said a bunch of times over the last six months. This season is going to go down as a lost season in my mind. Damian Lillard in his absolute prime is one of the ten best players in the NBA, if not better, as one of the five best players in the NBA, maybe. But I struggle at this stage where I'm at right now to find someone on the Blazers roster or someone in the Blazers organization to say, you did this or you deserve the majority of the blame. You deserve the fingers to be pointed at you. I think this is just a bummer of a season without a real scapegoat. It's a strange place to be. Now, Maybe they make the playoffs, and for a brief period, it doesn't feel like a bummer. Maybe what I said in segment two is totally wrong. Maybe the final month of the season is truly enjoyable. Dame comes back, carries this team to the playoffs, playing lights out. You get Zach on the Zach Collins on the court. You get Yusuf Nurkic back on the court. You see the vision. 
I'm skeptical this ends rosy. I'm skeptical this ends with smiles and, and whatever, lollipops. But I don't know who to blame. I don't think there's blame to be doled out. There's certainly disappointment to be had. But if you're looking for someone to say, this is on you, bud, I don't think that person exists. Not on this team, not in this situation. It's bad luck. And a roster that was probably more like the fourth through seventh best team in the West than one of the top teams in the West, but got too hurt so we never got to see them make their push. Fully healthy, they're probably right in the mix. They're in that fight, basically, two through seven, where all those West teams are bunched up. I imagine the Blazers will be right there, fully healthy. But they're not. So it's okay to be disappointed, but if you were hoping that I was going to figure out who to blame in this segment, I don't know. I got nothing for you. We'll have to process it all over the final six weeks here. Onward to Indy. That was basically the message in the Blazers locker room last night. CJ McCollum said it and Carmelo Anthony said it too. We got to go to Indianapolis. We got to win. Got to beat the Pacers. So that's what they'll do. They'll press forward because that's what the job demands. That's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them to tell a friend too. Let's grow the Lockdown Blazers community. Your friends can find this podcast wherever they already listen to pods. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Search Lockdown Blazers. Subscribe there. Keep it rolling. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.